Welcome back to your favorite podcast. This is Gab with Gwen. This is your girl Gwen, episode 44, with a good friend, old time, long time, Mr. Ismael Abdusalam. Welcome back. Glad to be back. Yes, long time friend, going back to the 90s. I know, long time, <laughs> first time, long time, baby. It's been a long time. <laughs> Um, simpler time, simpler time. So much simpler. Oh my goodness! <laughs> if you could go back to your teenage self, what would you tell yourself that you've you know you've learned from adulthood? Hmm, teenage self. Um. Hmm, that is a good one. Probably avoid a few relationships. I didn't have really too many big pitfalls, but I did waste my time on a few people. So just really being focused on um, really the writing aspect. I, I kind of had a little bit of fear about that as far as making it a career. So being a little bit more gung-ho about that earlier on. Mm. Mm. I think I would just tell myself to trust my own judgment and not be so concerned about pleasing other people, Mm. which I think I've taken that lesson very far in my adulthood, but it probably would have helped me doing it a little bit younger. So that's very important with younger girls too because i feel like in this country like girls are taught from an early age to kind of placate the male ego Mm -hmm. and if you take that into adulthood that seeps into your relationships your professional career so yeah that is something that uh, young women need to learn early absolutely absolutely so yeah so that wasn't what we were going to talk about today i wanted to lighten up since the last episode was you know more about politics and corona and the rona will always be an ongoing theme while this is happening so if y'all want to stop talking about the rona well tell me when the quarantine is over but it's not over so something that is important during this time as people are forced to become homebodies to protect themselves and socially isolate is entertainment so Folks are doing a lot of Netflix, their Hulu, TikTok, social media, IG, everything. Everyone is really trying to keep themselves entertained or some people have more time on their hands. So they need a distraction and they really can't go anywhere. So entertainment, I think, has had a huge boom in certain respects. But at the same token... When we think of traditional mediums like TV, they also have been challenged because they had to shut down their studios, et cetera, because people cannot, you know, collaborate in large groups, you know, on site. So it's doing something like interesting where like Trevor Noah is broadcasting from home and his couch and the daily show actually quite enjoy it. I think I enjoy it better than his regular show, to be honest. (laughs) And, you know, I just think that we've seen a lot of connectivity, maybe social media being used for what it really was supposed to be used for. So what are your thoughts of that as you're, you know, you're close to the entertainment industry? Yeah. So for people who don't know, I have a website called beatsboxingmayhem.com. So I initially started covering hip hop music, but now I cover hip hop, boxing, moved into covering films, entertainment, all that type of stuff. So one thing I've noticed initially when all this started, like you said, a lot of things came to a grinding halt. People were kind of like in flux about what do we do on all areas of entertainment. On the music side, you know, a lot of the rappers that do, you know, concerts, that's their main, you know, for most musicians, that's their main means of money is the live shows, not the actual albums. So all that dried up, you know, if you can't have more than 50 people together, that's no more shows. So on that end, people were stuck. And then even also, let's say shows that have been completed on the film end, 
you can't really promote them anymore. You can't really travel, can't get on planes, can't do shows. So the first big adjustment I saw was from the film industry. A lot of them are doing Skype interviews now and things like that. Stuff that we've been doing in corporate media, I mean, corporate uh, work for a while now. Mm -hmm. But now they're relying on that more on the entertainment side. And then another thing that I saw, which is pretty novel, was um, the films that are in theaters now. Because people can't go to theaters. They're making them available now on uh, video on demand, like immediately. And I think that's really interesting because I'm wondering what long-term effect that's going to have on theaters because some people do love the theater experience, mm -hmm. but some people love the convenience experience well. Now, on my end, you know, being down here by myself, seeing a movie for $20 might not be completely beneficial. But if you think of like a family of three or four people, how much does it cost for them to go to the movie theater and bring everybody along? So for them, $20 is a steal. You know, it's something that's in the theaters right now. I can see it at home for $20, my whole family. That's perfect. Mm. So I'm wondering how long that's going to continue. And then on the boxing end, everything is completely shut down because you can't have fights. And you can imagine this is even worse because you're talking about people getting hit in the face. So you got blood, mm. sweat, and all that. Mm. So all that's done. There's no more boxing for the foreseeable future. And this is normally the season where you get a lot of the big fights coming up. Uh, Cinco de Mayo was a big fight weekend, probably one of the biggest fight weekends of the year. That's probably not going to happen now. I know people are optimistic about, you know, by May things will be back in order, but I don't think it'll be back in order enough where they can handle something like that. So boxing industry is kind of being hurt the worst right now. There's like literally nothing that can go on. You know, funny enough, on Twitter, they started this um, <laughs> video game league where a lot of the fighters are like playing video games against each other. They might be playing themselves. But they're doing that to pass the time because they can't fight for real. So boxing is like at a complete halt. But the music industry, some artists are actually releasing albums now. So that's helping a little bit. But they're kind of being lost in the shuffle because of everything that's going on with Corona. So I don't know if that's really a good idea. But I'm pretty sure you've probably seen with the IG media and all that stuff, people doing the virtual parties and all that. Mm -hmm. That's a great idea. That's been really blowing up. And a lot of people have been building their brand, you know, relying on that. But can you make money off of that? I don't think so. In a roundabout way, you can. So I'm going to give you a quick example. The biggest one, um, D-Nice, right? So he's a big, um, you might remember D-Nice when he used to be a rapper way back in the day when we were younger. But he's been a prominent DJ for about the last 10, 15 years. Mm -hmm. But what people don't realize, he's been DJing for the White House, not the current White House, but when Obama was there. So he's DJed a lot of Democratic events. So the way he's flipped it, he was on live for eight hours straight just playing music. And he has celebrities come in, you know, and once they come in, he play their music. So I'm sure he's getting a little bit kickbacks from that. But if not, what he's been doing now is he's been doing a voter registration drive for the Democratic Party. And he's been tying that into the DJ sets on IG. So I know he's getting money from that. So people like that, you can make some money from it. Some of the smaller DJs, not necessarily. But if you can direct people back to your website or if you have... Um, People don't do virtual mixtapes anymore, really. But of course, you know, let's say you're a DJ in New Jersey. You can say, hey, you know, I do uh, live events, blah, blah, blah. So you're not going to make any money now. But hopefully once things get back to normal, you know, maybe you can get some gigs that way. Just really getting your name out there is the main thing at this point. Because mm. be nice, he, he went from when he first got on live, he had about 200,000 followers. Last time I checked, he's at like 1.8 million just mm. from those DJ sets. And it really benefits the older DJs because I don't know what's up with um, Instagram, but something with the algorithm, if you play recent songs, like in the last, let's say, 12 to 24 months, they'll kick you off of there. They'll, like, shut down your account. Really? 
Yeah, so all these sets that they're doing, it's all older music from the 90s, maybe early 2000s. I don't know what it is about the copyright laws that doesn't affect that, mm. but they can play that music and not have it hurt them. But at the same time, they can't do those sets on YouTube because if you try it on YouTube, sometimes that'll get you muted. It's mm. really weird. So as so an entertainer... I'm because they're playing music I want to hear. I was... <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like you said, everybody's home. Mm-hmm. You got nothing better to do, just listen to some music, trying to get your mind off of things. So it's really been a great thing. And a couple of DJs have really benefited you know, pretty well from it. Mm, interesting, interesting. So when I think of ATL, everyone doesn't think of this, but I also think of strip clubs. So. Oh, yes. <laughs> what do you. Sorry, this is what popped into my head. So it's entertainment. So yes. I'm assuming the strip clubs are closed? Yes, they are. So I live within walking distance of Magic City. So I don't know if you heard of Magic City. Yes, of course. Okay, so that's the the major strip club down here. So Magic City is shut down, but what they've done, social media, they've made it um, an online strip club. Mm -hmm. So what they do is they, you know, they all meet at like a small location, strippers, and they'll do it online. And basically what you can do is you can cash app them, you know, if you want to tip them (laughs) for whatever they're doing on screen. Now I'm not sure how much money they're making from that, but they've done it live a few times. So I'm assuming they're doing well. So that's what most of the strippers are doing. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, hold on, hold on. So, um, all right. So, I guess, so, so the new way you're getting tips is from Cash App as opposed yes, to... Yes, basically. Okay, I, okay. Well, I, I'm assuming people are, you know, it's, it's different than being in, in, in the moment and, you know, making it rain. On, you know, that's, it's a different experience. <laughs> That's the thing. So that's why I've always kind of wondered, like, how popular that is. But, you know, just like any branding, like, if you go to the strip club often, you probably got your favorite girl. So you might feel a connection with her. So if you see her, you know, online, you might think, oh, let me support her and make her do well. And to me, are you familiar with OnlyFans? Are you familiar with that platform? No. Oh, so this would be a whole other conversation. So when you get a moment, if you can, while we're even talking, you can put in OnlyFans.com. Now, what OnlyFans is, is basically like a platform where you can put your own content on there, and it's mostly adult content. Oh, Lord. So I, I know a lot of women, like regular women, that do that. So you can, if you want to do feet pictures, you can do that. If you want to do a full-fledged porn, you can do that. But you set your own prices. So you can say, okay, I'm charging you $5 a month. I'm going to charge you $10 a month. I'm going to charge you $20 a month. And some women have made a lot of money doing this because you can imagine if I'm charging you $15 a month and I get, let's say, a thousand subscribers, you know, of course, they're going to take their cut the uh, platform, which I think is 25 percent. But you can still make a lot of money. This is very popular now. A lot of strippers, a lot of adult entertainers and a lot of regular women are doing it, too. Interested. Okay, I Googled it. I went to the Wikipedia because I don't really want to go to the world world website. Um, (laughs) <laughs> it said it's popular. Okay, so it launched in 2016. It's popular in the adult entertainment industry. It is the real premise is that it's a social media service based in London, England, and creators run a paid subscription content service for them to build relationships and provide exclusive content to their subscribers or fans. It's popular in the adult entertainment industry, but they're also content creators from Genre, genres such as physical fitness experts and others who regularly pace, uh, post online. It allows the creators to receive funding directly from their fans on a monthly basis, as well as on tips and the pay-per-view feature. 
Yeah. So it's been can, commended by the New York Times for giving yeah. for helping to change adult entertainment work by giving control back to the performers to earn money for the content they create. Go ahead. Because, yeah, the main thing has always been about exploitation. So, you know, whatever workers are on there, your money's coming directly to you. You're setting your terms, you're setting your prices, and it's completely safe. So if you just want it to be an online thing um, mm -hmm. where you're not actually going out and doing house calls and all that, it's just an online thing, and you can just make steady money doing that. Of course, you know, just like any type of um, platform, whether you have a podcast or whatever you're doing, you have to make consistent content. But as long as you're doing that, you'll build your fan base and take it from there. So, so, so this is interesting. So, I mean, so, I mean, there've always been like cam girls and stuff like that. So I guess this is just this one. This is a continuation of it, right? So yeah. it's just, it's more direct ownership for, now, I don't know as far as like your content, if you leave, do you technically own all that footage and pictures? I'm assuming you do. I'm, I'm not sure for sure, but um, yeah, it all goes directly back to the, the person. There's so many people that do it. You know, it's kind of an online joke. If you ever, if you feel like going on Twitter and just putting that in, you'll see people making jokes about it because it's, it's like a, a real popular income source right now. I don't know if it's going to expand even more considering how the economy is, but um, there's people out there that will pay. I have a friend of mine, I'll keep her anonymous, um, she does regular media mm -hmm. and you know, interviews, things like that. So she did an interview one time and I guess she was sitting down some type of way and her shoes were off. Mm -hmm. Now, after she was done, some random guy from overseas, she's out in um, California, he emailed her and was like, oh, my God, your feet are so gorgeous. I'll send you, I think it was like $50 for like a picture of the soles of your feet. So, you know, $50 for just taking a picture of your feet. She did that. Mm -hmm. And then I think he upped the price, I think $100, $200 more just to show the tops of your feet or your, your toes. And she did that for a little while. She started to feel uncomfortable about it, I guess, because the whole idea of, you know, feeling... I don't know if it's the prostitution angle or just feeling like you're exploiting yourself, but she ended up cutting it off. But that's just an example of how quickly you can make money. You know, random guys will happily send you money for just little pictures like that. So you can imagine what somebody will send if you're actually showing, you know, TNA and other body parts or playing with yourself or actually having sex on camera. And you can make really good money if, you, if you're comfortable doing that. Interesting. Okay, no, I just I just did a random t uh, Twitter search of OnlyFans. Interesting stuff pop popping up. The feet thing, I I can't remember what I watched or something. There was some actress, or maybe I was listening to a podcast and someone was talking about it. A woman who actually it was a podcast. I know I was listening to. It was a podcast I was listening to, and he had a guest on who's a comedian. But mm -hmm. she was maybe in her fifties, and she told she's like a native New Yorker, and she told a story about being in New York in like the 80s and she like accidentally came into the foot fetish scene <laughs> and she said <laughs> it ended up making her a lot of money um you know because comedy wasn't and but eventually she got out of it because uh you know more sex workers started to get into it and then it became less about you know that and she couldn't compete and it was just more seedy Okay, gotcha. So um, that's not necessarily surprising. The OnlyFans thing. I mean, I'm I'm curious how you know with uh, you know back. Well, I think Backpage might be back up, but um, you know Backpage, Craigslist, all these means that people are taking it from you know adult entertainment online, taking it to in person. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of people, men, tend to buy sex workers' time. And yep. so 
I'm wondering, and I don't know if there's any studies on this, how is how is Corona being impacted by, like, how is it being impacted by Corona? If you're inclined to engage with sex workers, do you care about Corona? Do you, I don't know, you know, or you know do the what? sex workers themselves, are they like, wait, I don't think I want to do this. I'm, I'm curious. You know, I've seen some stuff, so I'll be honest and say, I think some people just really don't care because, I, you know, we've heard stories, I'm pretty sure you have too, about people who sleep with prostitutes without using the condom, just no protection, period. Mm-hmm. So somebody that does that, I can't really think they would even care about Corona. I would agree. I would agree. <laughs> so I think that they lay looking to get their rocks off and they could care less as long as they can find somebody that's willing to do it. I agree. Unless the sex worker themselves is like, well, I don't want to do this because they're at risk. And then the other thing I could think of is if you're confined to home, your wife or spouse may really want to know where you're going because <laughs> ah, it's Corona <laughs> and where are you going? <laughs> That's a good point. So yeah, if you're smart, you would think a lot of that would be on hold for now. But um, let's talk about um real quick the guy from um what's his name, the 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 Democratic guy that got caught with the male prostitute in Florida, Andrew Gillum. Yep, yep, yeah. I've talked about him. We can talk about him again. Yeah, I don't know so all he, the story. Apparently, go ahead. So this will be a good example of you know somebody that really don't care that just needs to get their rocks off. So you know he's married and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So his cover story was that he was. This might actually be true. He was going to a wedding. Mm-hmm. I don't know how true that was. But while he was in town for the wedding, he got the, the male prostitutes and went back to the room and was just, you know, had too much fun and he was passed out. But that's where all that happened from. I think, you know, people who, and I don't want to say everybody that's used as a sex worker is irresponsible like that. But some people, you know, when they're locked in on what they want to do like that, they, they'll make it happen no type, you know, no, no matter what. They'll figure out some type of way to get out the house and get it done, so. You're right. I think the um, the Johns, for better lack of a better word, I think the Johns um, will still, if they want to, will still do it regardless. So I guess my message is to any sex workers who happen to come across this podcast is to protect yourself, okay? Because exactly. you're going to be in contact with a lot of people who could have corona. And depending on your situation, you could have underlying health issues or, and it doesn't even matter, just any age, corona really right now is impacting a lot of people. So I know it's hard. So I would say in-person sex workers, maybe you want to go on the OnlyFans and try to do something because you need to uh, probably chill with the in-person contact. Exactly. And it's funny you mention it like that because we talk about essential employees. I'm like, well, if that's your main or only form of income is really the in-person stuff, it's like you got a tough decision to make. It's like you still got your bills haven't stopped and you still got to figure out a way to um, – you know, pay the bills. So OnlyFans would be the most likely way, hopefully, that you can do it safely, especially for the uh, foreseeable future. Yeah, because especially with sex work in particular, you, you know, besides it being in close proximity, you're also there are bodily fluids involved. Like exactly, it's 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 very risky. So um, I say, you know, for it's not for me, but it's I will say I have a lot of respect for people who do that because it's like such a tough business to be in this is like you know i hope that you know it's not something long term you want to do eventually you can get out of it but you know i feel for people who um you know some people i think naturally do enjoy it but i think a lot of people is more so a necessity until you can get to a point where you can potentially do something else i don't know honestly when people say they enjoy it i i question that because i always say no girl no boy no child is going to say when i grow up i want to be a sex worker that's generally not the nah, I would agree given. with that. 
Yeah, in yeah. kindergarten, you don't do that, right? I want to be a firefighter. That's generally not the dream. Um, I think circumstances have you end up in that space. Whether or not it's uh, financial, it could be abuse, um, it, the opportunity comes up and then you, you take it. And I think people can learn to deal with something and learn to quote unquote enjoy it. But it's just, first of all, it's not something that you can do for a long time generally. Like now there are fetishes and yes, maybe somebody, some man wants to, you know, have a six-year-old uh, sex worker. But um, right. generally, there's a shelf life. There used to be a great documentary on Netflix several years ago about about this. It was I can't I, I gotta Google it, but um, it it went around the world showing sex workers in different countries. It went to India, Mexico, um, mm. I think Holland, and they showed different sex workers as they were young and some of them were aging out. And actually, I think it went to Bangladesh. It didn't go to India, and you know, how it's hard, you know, you don't have any skills, you've worked in this this profession for a long time, and then what do you end up having to do, and being mistreated because you don't have a way to pay your rent, etc. Very fascinating documentary, um, and I'll Google it to figure it out, but it's a short self-life, and not that you do something for your whole life, you know, we're all changing careers, but sex work, you got to get in and get out. And this is a dark side to it because when you put commerce on the human body, it's almost like how can it not be exploitative at some point? You know, even the Johns that you're working with, a lot of them probably don't respect you as a complete human being anyway. So that's always that danger when you hear about, you know, sex workers getting killed and all that. I think all that plays a part of it. It's just that you're looked at as an object for just satisfaction. Absolutely. I mean, I don't think in that transactional type of situation that they do respect the, the sex worker. I don't think so. Because you you are buying a product or a service, mm-hmm. and people who are doing that, it comes with a sense of entitlement, just by Very default. So. Because and then because when you talk about money. the gender roles too, yeah, when you talk about how gender is, especially how men entitlement, you factor that into it, makes it even worse. Yeah, yeah. No, I found it. Okay, the documentary. I would tell everyone. I it, I don't know if it's still on Netflix. It, it's from 2011. It's called Whore's Glory. Oh, and wow. <laughs> it's it's called this compassionate documentary examines the daily routines and experiences of prostitutes in Bangladesh, Mexico, and a Thai brothel um, where in a Thai brothel where they prostitutes sit behind glass and wait for Johns to choose them. Very fascinating. It was mm. ugh, very fascinating. And I think I, there's another one I had seen. There was there were some really there have been some really good documentaries about sex workers on Netflix that I would definitely tell people to look into it. It's, it's, it's don't think that you are above it or it doesn't touch your life in any capacity. Um, you don't know the people you've been with frequent sex workers. Uh, I've had I've an old episode where I talked about a guy I dated who did. Um, there's a hierarchy in certain respects, but sometimes there's an overlap, you know, like mm-hmm. a Venn diagram where, you know, sometimes it can go from strip club and then that can, depending on the nature, go into other things. Uh, sexual acts and then you know some people are going on vacation there's sex tourism for vacations how Stella's getting her groove back uh, a yeah. lot of that mm-hmm. is sex tourism and that's how y'all end up on 90 day fiance sorry <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> 
I know that's your show, too. <laughs> that's my show. And that's how y'all end up on 90 Day Fiance, thinking you fell in love with a sex worker. So, um, oh. or because you want a sex worker. So, it's, it's, um, yeah, entertainment in these times are important. I, I'm, I, I, I have no idea. Yeah, if you're, if you're a John, you're probably, like, fiending like a, feeling like a, you know, a drug addict right now because mm-hmm. it's probably a little bit more challenging. And I'm like, if you're setting the rates, maybe you put your rate high, higher for hazard pay. Like you said, there's a bigger risk coming outside trying to get some work done. So mm-hmm. you might be able to double your price. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, yeah, it is. Because, like, if you're, again, I hate to go on this rabbit hole, but I'm just serious. Like, if you're a sex worker and say you say you sleep with five men a day, you know, that's, and, and it's such close contact man, you're really putting yourself at risk. And then these same guys, because it's so contagious, you're going home and then you're spreading it too. So like the contagion is real. Yep. Aside from, you know, the regular contagion you guys have to deal with. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Crazy. Crazy. So, you know, let's segue a little bit into relationships here. So you had sent me a video on Instagram of some gentleman who when i saw i only watched it briefly for like honestly 30 seconds i thought he was like a homeless man in a bodega but you're saying that he's actually a former nba player former nba player i think he might have even won the championship stephen jackson he was an all-star he was also involved in the um the pistons and the pacers brawl that got all those suspensions years ago i want to say that was back in 2004 or 2005 but now he's a media personality he works with espn has a very popular pack podcast with um matt barnes who's a normal uh also a former player i know Matt barnes yeah yes so he's really well known so on the clip i don't know if you can actually play it on the podcast but he's basically talking about his regret of having children with multiple women and how having baby mamas has been or can be your downfall as a man and how important it is to make sure you only have children with one woman and not bring yourself down by having multiple women in your life okay i just i just i only saw the first part where he was saying he regrets having children with three women or i think he might have more than three women but the three of them he regrets exactly three of them are just stressing them out those are the ones he just can't stand and he also mentioned he hasn't seen his kids in a long time so i guess he's blaming them for that too so on the on the the fundamental argument do i think it's preferable to have children with one person yes does that not always happen absolutely not that's just the reality of humanity aside from you having a bad relationship if you become a widow a widow or a widower or anything anything can happen right so that is less of an issue I, i do think it's an issue when you start to really go into like multiple numbers like so besides him like future has like nine baby mamas <laughs> it sure does it is problematic um and i don't know what he expected to be different so for him to say he regrets that but i think it's wrong to say that because you have these children that is a direct reflection on them and so you're essentially saying you regret them whether or not you said it with words you have said that which is the wrong message. And especially you being a person who has a platform, people know you, I don't know you, but that's fine. I don't need to know you. That is awful to the psyche of a child and just a terrible message in general for you to be an influencer. So I think he could have stayed told to the line of like, listen, in retrospect, I would have been 
a more faithful man or taking relationships more seriously so that I um, will end up with one partner, like a life partner, something like that. I think it's all about marketing and spin, like I always say. But saying that you regret having children with three women, well, you have three kids with those women. So that's that's actually a wrong thing to say. I would agree with that. And it's also, you always have to keep in mind, you know, these children didn't make themselves. It's like, when you're trying to phrase this, I always think the best thing to look at it as, things are not completely equal with men and women, especially in different situations. So in this one, as a man, what can I control? Because the children didn't make themselves. Mm-hmm. I can control who I lay down with. Because if I get this woman pregnant, I don't have control in the decision. Now, hopefully we're close enough where she'll you know, take in consideration my input, but ultimately it's her decision. So before it even gets to that point, we need to be on the same page where it's like, okay, do I see a future with this woman? Really, if not, then should we be sleeping together? You know, so that puts the personal responsibility back on you as a man. That's what you can control. So I didn't really hear that too much. It was more so kind of like, oh, you know, they're just making my life a living hell when I could have made better decisions about that. But like you said, it's all about the delivery and how you actually say it. But it just sounded like he was completely disgusted <laughs> with the whole situation, the children, the mothers, everything. It's like, oh, you know, woe is me, so to speak. Yeah, but I don't listen. I don't feel bad for him. And listen, if he had sense, he has money, he could actually shut them up with money. Let's keep it real. He has money. And so you don't want these problems? Shut them up with money. All right? Because I'm sure that that's what it's about in the, in the first place. And so him saying that is irresponsible. And let's be real. You were an NBA star and you had accessibility to a lot of women. And you also know that some of these women don't have the best intentions. Like, they're not loving you for you, okay? They mm-hmm. want to be in close proximity to you because of who you are. You know what it is. And I'm saying you yeah. know what it is. So, and you're a willing participant in that because you also feel entitled as an NBA star to get the hottest chick or get the bad chick or get whatever you want. So you, to me, there was an understanding there. Now, if you get caught up, get caught out there, not protecting yourself, shooting up the club with multiple women. (laughs) Right. Are like, are we supposed to feel bad for you? Do you not know how this goes? This story is not new. This ain't the first time. And one thing I'm going to add in, you know, when I've been doing all my research on this DNA stuff, and, uh, you know, I'm going to talk about another episode, but I've had revelations in my family of people like paternity is not what people expected. And these are from older generations. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about great grandparents, great grandparents, stuff that starts to add Mm -hmm. up. You're like, what? This has been going on since the beginning of time. All right? right. So look, sir. Don't act like you don't know what was up. Don't act like you don't know what's up. So how are we supposed to feel bad for you? Exactly. It's just like you got to take accountability. And it goes on both ends. You know, you see the situation with... um, Now, of course, there's situations where, like you mentioned, you're with someone, they completely switch up on you. But that might be one relationship. When you're talking about two and three, it's a pattern. And it's you're the common denominator in all these situations. I mean, you couldn't have gotten a vasectomy at some point. That solves the issue right there. Exactly. Like, you don't have to have a child with every single person. So if you refuse to use condoms and you feel like you need to shoot up the club, then you do something so that you don't have the financial responsibility or burden of children. 
And a vasectomy is a very simple procedure. I, I don't, okay, I do know people have had a vasectomy, but they will not come on this podcast. But um, I, I would love to do a podcast with a man who's had a vasectomy to talk through it. Because I mean, it's very simple. I was considering getting one when I was younger, but um, it was only because I was in my 20s. I was like, okay, I may change my mind. But um, yeah, I did the research. And like you said, it's relatively simple compared to a woman, you know, even if you're married and, you know, she's talking about getting her tube side, you know, that's a very invasive, complicated procedure. It's much more simpler for a man to get yeah. a vasectomy and be done with it. Exactly. And men have this, this um, fear of, you know, it... Of, You're gonna snip the wrong thing. <laughs> uh, is it that? I feel like it's something of like the manhood. You feel like you're gonna be less of a man, but why? Look, you're, you're, it's still gonna work. Mm, that, that might be part of it. I think it's more so just being touched down there. It really brings the anxiety that something may go wrong, even though the probability of that is so small. It's just being cut or touched down there is really. Uh, well, you know what, y'all are. I'm gonna say this. Y'all is bitch made because women have to. <laughs> Women have to undergo a gynecology is so archaic and mm-hmm. the stuff that happens, you're like, is this for real? The, the gynecology is awful. <laughs> all right. It is a pap smear. It's awful. All these things, anything that you ever have to do and we have to do it. Okay. And, and we mm-hmm. have to do it regularly is awful. Let alone people having children and all the stuff that happens with that. All right. But just as right. your general health, it is like medieval times. The equipment they use and everything they do. Yeah, awful. Yeah, I've seen it. But that's the thing. You learn that from early on. You have to you have to do these things as a woman just for care. Men, we don't really have that, even though we should be going to a doctor regularly. A lot of times, the first time we really get a regular procedure where it's being invasive down there is really when we start getting the prostate exams. And right. when does that happen? When you're like, damn, they're 40 years old. And, and some men don't even want to do that yeah. <laughs> because of that test. Yeah. Yeah, well, that that's something where we needs to change. It really needs to change. Men should not be afraid of a vasectomy, especially when you already got half a basketball team and you really don't want more kids. Exactly. Exactly. Then snip it and be done with it. I'm like, it doesn't affect your erection, nothing. You have to worry about no kids at that point. Of course, you still got to worry about diseases and everything, but no kids. Yeah, to be complaining about it when you have the resources that you could pay them. And so you're just being a cheap ass. Just pay them and shut them up. Like, I have to be honest, that's what, shut them up, because that's that's what it is. And you know what it is, and pay them and shut them up. And, and that's something, that's really hard for me to really understand how you can say you haven't seen your kids in so long. You have the means to take them to court, get your visitation rights, if you really are trying to pursue it that way. Exactly. I mean, I don't I don't get that at all. Yeah, I, I don't believe it. I don't Because, you know, and look, I don't know, I'm not a mother, I'm not a vindictive person that I haven't even seen that in my life around me personally in my families like you know there are lots of blended families and stuff like that in within my family and mm-hmm. it's never that someone is holding their child back from a guy I've never seen that happen have I seen the man not patient absolutely but I ever have I ever seen someone hold a, a child back no so I haven't really seen that and and children generally want to see their fathers so I, I'm sure there's more to this story especially of him being a man of means that you know, I, I just think it's irresponsible. And it's just a poor depiction, especially if someone who does have means and has this platform and millions of followers, to be is irresponsible to the black community, period. Right. Let alone himself. Because I'm tired right. of these images. I'm just tired of it. And like, I'm not saying it's not the reality partially, but it's not the only reality, but it's like what we constantly see and it's annoying. 
Right. And I think the bottom line is, I mean, I know a lot of what we've done recently in the last couple of years is kind of deconstruct some of the, I guess, the more harmful gender stereotypes. But some of them to me aren't harmful. And one of them is if you are the man, then everything should stop with you. You should be the one that leads the situation. And if you have a family, if it's a blended family, you're the one that's still responsible taking care of your family. Whether that's one woman, two women, three women, you need to be the one that takes charge and gets them all on the same page. And I think if you're handling your business, taking care of your kids, they may not still like you for whatever personal stuff that went on, but they will respect you and things will go a lot more smoothly. It really shouldn't be any bickering to me between adults. You should be able to be civil enough to realize that, okay, our responsibility now is taking care of this child. All our personal issues that we may have had in the past, it doesn't matter anymore. If we can both focus on that, we shouldn't have any problems. I would agree. I mean, I don't think, and we're de deconstructing things, but this, gen I'm going to say this generation, because I could say X as well. So I could say Generation X, um, Millennials, and then, you know, God forbid, these damn Z children. Um <laughs> I don't think these last, these three generations, so Generation X, mm -hmm. Y slash Millennials, and Z, I really think that something changed with that baby boomers, <laughs> that like that generation where boys were raised differently, and I don't, I don't see, and I haven't seen, I say this as a, in my dating life, because I don't have brothers, right? I have male cousins, but I don't have brothers. But right. what I've seen in the men that I've encountered, I don't see that men have been raised with the notion that they should be the provider or the leader at home. I, 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 don't, I don't personally see that. I see an ego piece to it, like I'm the man, respect me as a man. But in right. terms of the responsibility and accountability that they actually have to do to earn that or to display that and showcase that, I don't see that. I've heard that a lot too, and we kind of wonder where's the source from. Do you think it's mostly because we had a lot of um, single mothers, and that's their only model of, I guess, authority? Think that ties into it? I've dated men who got two parents who got the same problem. Same problem. So, mm -hmm. I've dated several men. Um, you know, actually, probably most of the men I've dated probably did come from two-parent homes. Actually, if I think about okay. it, and they still have the same problem. Yeah, the guys. Yeah, who. With single mom, yeah, it's it's that that manifests itself a little bit differently. I would say, God, this is weird. This and this only Gwen's personal experience. Okay. The guys who come from single mom homes, they genuinely just don't even know what to do because they had literally no example. So, right. and and they can even admit it. Like shit, I don't know. I didn't, you know, I'm just figuring it out. I've, and then they've been very honest and, and I appreciate that. And it's just coming from a place of like, I'm trying to figure this out because I don't know because I didn't see that. The guys I've seen who do come from two-parent homes um, or had their fathers in their lives, you know, regardless, still don't know. But I feel like there's an, that's where the entitlement piece of like respect me as a man comes in. Like I'm the man, I'm the head of, head of household, I'm head of household, I'm blah, blah, blah. However, none of the actions behind it or anything like that associated with it come along with it. So it is very okay. bizarre to me. It's like, oh, well, respect me as a man, blah, 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 blah. But I don't really have real ambition to be a provider or be all these things that that gender stereotype is actually tied to. 
Now, as a successful woman, would you even want a man to, I guess, be the head or guide you? Or would you be more comfortable with a companion, somebody more so just willing to compliment you as opposed to being, quote unquote, the stereotypical head? Well, I would be questioning where's where are they where are they heading me to? I don't know. I'm just I don't know if it has to do with successful. I'm just just a strong-headed person. Period. Okay. Um, would what would I think? What what does guidance look like? And this comes from literally, and I can say it personally, if just the example I've had is my father, who I'm so close to this day. My parents married my whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, how do I see my dad in like that's the male influence? And I have uncles, and they're very different than my dad, but. Who he is, who's like my number one. He's always been my number one. I'm a daddy's girl. His demeanor is something that I find very calming and comforting. And he has a quiet strength. So my dad's an introvert. My mom, she's 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 more extroverted. Not a huge extrovert, but she's more extroverted, more extroverted than he is. Oh. And him being an introvert and having a house full of women, because it's only daughters, he didn't want these problems. He could see that. Listen, we're being catty or bitchy, and he didn't want he didn't want them problems, so he don't care. Y'all do y'all bullshit, all right? But when he comes there, calm down. He doesn't want to hear it, and it's quiet. But he's not yelling. My dad's not a yeller. It's like a quiet confidence, just um, a, a person who's very sure of themselves, and he's not trying to tell you I'm the man that you know he is because of the type of person he is, right? right. Um, mm. I still go to him like when I really want to think through something I very much value his opinion his thought process because he's very logical he's very fair and he's very he has a lot of integrity and ethics and I love that about him so just the type of person he is and the way he conducts himself people gravitate to him every guy I've ever dated your, your dad's the man yo he's a Mac like they love him and I'm like why my dad's quiet he doesn't say anything but he has a <laughs> quiet confidence and he's not the one to beat his chest in the room he doesn't have to he doesn't have to and he still gets what he wants and he still gets what he wants to be honest and if he doesn't get what he wants it's fine he knows what he can live with and what he can't so I never had anyone like saying you know seeing I never saw an example of him like doing you know saying I want this, blah, blah, blah. But look, when he's, when he, listen, when he gets his mind to something, then that's it. Shit, we can't change it. My mind knows it too. I know it too. I'm like, okay, you're right. Look, that's <laughs> it. And, and it's, and it's true. And I know, right. and I don't even bother. And I'm like, let him have, and it's fine. So I, just his way, um, I, it, to me, it's fine. You know, he, he, he's not that kind of person. He, he is like, um, I don't know. I, I don't know if he's a beta. He's just a quiet. He's not an alpha trying to put his dick on the table. He's never been that type of person. He's just a right. chill dude. And I found that when I've met guys who were kind of a chill dude, um, and and it depends. You know what I like for me personally is like, look, I can bark and be loud, da da da. But if you don't bark at me because I'm going to be aggressive back. But if there's a person who's like, yo, I'm I'm bigger than this whatever you could bark and be stupid and do that on your own and when you need to when you want to come to me and you're calm and talk to me then do that like that does a lot because that's actually leading (laughs) me like like hey Gwen chill what are you doing right now get yourself together that's but that's that's not leading with an iron fist leading with like um authority Mm -hmm. it's it's not so for me it's like that's actually important. Do a lot of, can a lot of men do that? No, a lot of them don't. Can people do it? Yes. So I think that's fine. I also think it comes down to like how much I respect you ultimately, like how much I respect you. And do I think you come from a place that you have something to teach me where I would want to. So if you do, 
I'm I'm the best student. You got listen, Gwen been in school for years. Gwen got degrees right. on degrees. I'm the best student. Okay? Mm-hmm. So if you're gonna to come to me and you're actually a, a meaningful sensei, then of course I'm gonna to listen to teacher. I'm the best student, real talk. But you gotta come credentialed, you have to come correct for me to do that. If you're coming at me barking and I'm a man, you know, with some Barney Rebel or some Fred Flintstone shit, it'll <laughs> never work for me personally. Where other women are like, that's cute. But it wasn't my example. I never saw that as an example. Um, right. It doesn't even work with me. There are ways to influence my behavior. And if you know how to do that, you can. And see, I've never just, you know, the times I have observed you, I never thought that you were that difficult or even difficult to deal with, period. It's like the things that you require, I don't think, are outlandish. You know, you just want somebody to bring some stability and sense into your life. And that's it. You can do that. <laughs> we can do some things. Yeah, no, I don't think, like, listen, I don't think the guys I've dated would say that I was, you know, crazy, argumentative, and we had these crazy fights. Like, it, it, it wasn't even that. What I do is I have standards. High, and the standards I have are things I do on myself, right? I will never expect someone to do something I can't do. Right. So I'm not going to say you need to be doing this and making that type of money that I would never say that. Right. If I Mm -hmm. can do it myself and I recognize where people are and I'm a very logical and fair person. But I think, you know, we need to be accountable and we need to be people need to be stable. So one thing I'm going to bring it to Corona. A lot of people can't deal with the situation of being at home because they don't have peace at home. And they don't mm-hmm. have peace at home because of the nature of the relationships. It's rocky, um, whatever different things that are happening there. And the one thing I always grew up in a peaceful home, and it's been very important to me as a value of mine to have a peaceful home. So being at home doesn't bother me because I've always thought of, listen, my work is going to be chaotic. The world is going to be chaotic. But what I need is peace at home. My parents always had a peaceful home. I didn't see them arguing a lot. I didn't see that. And that is something that's really important to me. And so if I'm with a guy, we're going to have a peaceful home. If we don't have a peaceful home, we're going to have problems. And a peaceful Mm -hmm. home is like a stable home. That's like the foundation, a stable home. So if you have a gambling problem, or if you're a person who can't pay your rent, you keep getting kicked out, or you're not able to manage your funds, and then you're constantly in financial problems, um, then that's not a stable home. And it's not because you're not making enough money because I don't believe it's how much money you make. It's really what you do with the money you do make. And if you're unable to do that because you're living above your means, it's like, listen, especially as I get older, these are just table stakes. This is just regular stuff that doesn't even count as anything special. If you're unable to just, to me, adult in an adult functioning way, then I'm not going to... I'm not going to really take it seriously. And so you can't lead me if you don't have a stable home, right? If you don't have a stable right. home, that that's not going to be someone who can lead me. And, you know, and that's, and that's true. And a lot of people, not. if you, if you have a drug addiction, you cannot lead me. If you like to gamble, you cannot lead me. If you like to buy sexual prostitutes, you cannot lead me. There are all <laughs> these things not. where you cannot lead me. And I'm just, I'm just ticking down the things that come up. Okay, all these right. vices that come up. If you have a drinking problem and you're a drunk, you cannot lead me. Right. So these are the issues. You know, what I mean, like your finances, if all these things, if those you can't lead me, and then you want to demand to be a man, but your shit is not together. Right. It doesn't mean that you have to be a millionaire, but your basics is not together. And unfortunately, a lot of people like just like I said, are not. They're just not. That's true. I'm like, if you're if you're together, you're consistent. 
your partner is not going to have any issues trusting your judgment because they know that they can rely on you. But like you said, all those examples, those are like basic <laughs> adulting things that need to be done. If you can't do those things, then yeah, you're not reliable. You know, you're not even trustworthy at that point. It's like certain prerequisites that are not negotiable, especially the older we get. And I completely understand that. So, yeah. But people don't realize that. And they're like, oh, you're judging me. How could you judge me? I'm a good man. <laughs> I'm a good man. What are you oh, talking no, not, about? Not the, not the good man. They say I'm a nice guy. That's the one you hear more often. You're right. I'm a nice guy. <laughs> I'm a nice guy. All these things. And um, yeah, like just certain things like, hey, so, and it's, it goes beyond finance, just stability things, right? If For me, if you're a person who's a gun enthusiast and all you want to do is shoot guns all day and talk about the revolution and the military, no, that <laughs> that's, that's not cool. That does not make me feel stable or comfortable. So that's it. My love language is stability. But a lot of people are not. That's just the truth. A lot of people are not. And I think going back to the gender role of leading, I the, the baby boomers, I see something broke down. And I really do think it was the, the baby boomers fucked up everybody else after them. <laughs> I really do think so. What do you think the impact was of women getting into the workplace? You think that had an effect on things or a negative effect? Well, I think it depends on the community you're discussing because black people already had that. It, it, white people are the ones who were catching up. Black people true, true. had to work. Black women were the, the house cleaners uh, doing things like that. Black people were work. Black women were working. Yeah, that's true. You know, yeah, black women were not all staying home as housewives. That is true. Yeah, it's slavery days, baby. We, we always been working. So I think Black people will also delude yourselves. Oh, the, some, you know, some people were, you know, but rare. Like my grandmother, no, actually, she didn't work, but they were in the countryside in a rural, very area in Jamaica. Like literally, till this day, my cousins don't have electricity. Not that they don't. They don't. And mm-hmm. it, it's, you know, it's just a very rural area. And so she, she did. But I think actually when they moved to England, she did work. So I can't even say that. So black people, you know, we've always been working black women have been working in some capacity because we are not we've not been we didn't have wealth where you know a man could just work and support the family completely like it just wasn't like that so when black people make that excuse of like going to i'm like who who are you talking about right (laughs) because your grandma was working so that's true what what are we talking like black people say that and i'm like what history book are you reading? Because that's not your history. And listen, if you're African, I can't talk for you. I don't know what y'all was doing, okay? But I can tell you, <laughs> if you were if you were in America and you were in the Caribbean, I I, I can tell you, black women been working, okay? So I can't say that. No, I do know what from America they say black women were working, and black men what's happened especially you know just society blue collar work everyone industrial revolution people were working you know in factories things like that and mm. anything that happens economically impacts black people first the same way we're the first ones to get killed in the movie is the same way when there's a crisis coming economically for the country we're impacted first because we're the first one they let go whatever so when you started to see the change in manufacturing where, you know, before you could work 
in a plant in Campbell Soup in Camden, right? That used to be a, like a, a that used to be a town where Campbell's was there in Camden. People don't know Camden, New Jersey is a very depressed area in New Jersey. Uh, you guys hear about Newark? Newark ain't got shit on Camden, okay? Yeah, true. And Camden you know, is a depressed state, like a depressed area, like Flint, all these places where there was industry and, you know, they leave the manufacturing and everyone is a blue collar town, can't work anymore. And then it just goes into depression for, for, you know, generations really. And that really impacted black community heavily because first of all, it took so long for black men to be able to be able to even get into these jobs like first it's white men and they get the union and then they finally let black men trickle in to be able to get you know low salaries but low wages but still be able to at least finally have something and then it's 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 stability that people need like a steady check a good job blah 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 but you know and but over time with you know industrialization computerization and just the, the the heavy focus on wall street we moved manufacturing outsourced it and all these places you know lost these businesses and then it really was hard for people to get you know blue collared people to get work and this is not just a black thing so this is anyone like yeah. the coal miners is anyone but like i said just the way we get killed first in the movie is that it impacts us first okay and mm-hmm. so it impacts us first And so black men had been in a hard state here where, you know, these jobs that required, you know, didn't have like a smaller barrier to entry, but had a decent livable wage are now gone. And, you know, we moved to the place of knowledge work, computerization, but, you know, that would now require a college education. We all know the costs of college education, plus everyone doesn't necessarily have the grades or the aptitude or come from the school systems that's going to put them in a good place. Um, so we've been dealing with this for over 50 years as a black community, where this whole change of the the transition of blue collar living wage to knowledge work and what you're going to do has been hard. But black women were able to consistently, you know, stay employed, whether it was, you know, being the nannies, the maids, right? And mm-hmm. then transitioning to office work, like being receptionist, whatever or not, black women were still able to more consistently stay employed, really economically. Um, and then black women also now over index on higher education are the most educated group in America and are doing well. Now, listen, not everyone, but, you know, we are have been making a lot of strides. So there's this dichotomy between the men and the women in black and in, in black, in black American society that has roots over years. So it wasn't just like women went to the workforce. There were some nuances of how the economy was changing over time and the different types of opportunities allotted from a gender perspective. Good point. So now the issue is how do we, well, fix it as far as, um, well, I don't know if I want to use the word fix, but like you mentioned, the shift in how men conduct themselves over the last couple uh, generations from, you talked about Generation X to about now. Um, I guess how do we get them better <laughs> relationship-wise and everything? That's a complicated question, right? Well, it starts at home. And listen, women are the biggest perpetrators of why y'all sons ain't shit. Let's say that. 
Listen, women are the biggest reasons. It's actually not the fathers. I would I have to be honest. Women are <laughs> big perpetrators as to why y'all sons ain't shit. And mm, yeah. I say that. I'm going to give an example. I was, what does matter? I was at work. uh, This is years ago. And there was a guy, young guy. He was maybe 21. He just like started working there. And he lived at home. Latino, little young Latino boy. And he lived at home. And, you know, his mom made him lunch every day. And he would come to work, blah, blah, blah. And we worked with two older women, an older black woman, an older Italian-American lady. And... He was saying, oh, you know, when um, I hope whenever I get married, I want a wife who can cook like my mom. And the women were like, don't get you a woman who can't cook. Make sure she can do it. And the older women were all saying this to him, like, you know, you know, just encouraging him that and just being disparaging. And I was like, I'm, well, I'm staying out of this conversation. I'm walking away because I that seems like an innocent exchange, but it's actually not innocent because. That is planting the seed that, all right, your wife is supposed to do, like, this domestic task is the criteria by which you find a wife. Um, And what is the criteria that he's bringing, right? Because you're saying she has to cook. She's over. So what is he bringing? So I don't even think that that is the right narrative. Like, look, she could cook and she could be a fucking bitch. So I think (laughs) maybe you should be giving a different message to boys that, you know, they should be thinking of different attributes in women that are going to be important so that they don't have to end up on, on Twitter like this man saying he hates having these three baby mamas. <laughs> like, maybe we should be instilling different things. Not that, mm, you're going to get a wife that cooks for you. And th- and this is what moms are saying. They're like, oh, I cook for you. Your wife cooks for you. To, like, And then you get mad. The same woman gets mad if she's dating a man where she's working all day, blah, blah, blah. But he doesn't want to cook or clean or contribute to the house because he expects her to do it. But you're instilling those same things in your son. And the issue with that is that you're looking for a partner to be a maid. You're not looking for a partner, rather. You're looking for a maid. You're looking for someone to be some type of transactional person who's doing things for you. But you're not actually looking for a partner. Right. So and this is something that women instill in men and boys all the fucking time. And they complain about it when it happens to them. But it's the same message they put into their sons. It's funny because we're coming up on the last it's been a year since uh, Nipsey Hussle died. He says something that reminded me of what you were just talking about. He said as far as relationships go, him and Lauren London, one of his goals was he wanted to be able to master his woman. And what I mean by that is not be domineering over her or anything but know her well enough that he's able to provide for her before she even asks for something that he knows what everything that she needs so he can take care of it without her having to worry about it so to speak and that kind of goes to what you're saying if you know your wife is working all day but you expect her also to come home and have to clean and cook and all that okay even if you work every day too why can't you do half of that what if you get home earlier maybe you can cook first or maybe you can you know take care of the kids first making sure that you're pulling your load just like you mentioned and she shouldn't even have to ask you that. You should just know that being that, you know, if you know how to take care of a house, she shouldn't even have to mention that. You should see a need there and be able to meet that. But that goes back to, like you said, how you were raised. If you weren't raised like that to know to step up when something needs to be done, you know, you're expecting your mom to do it. If your mom pampered you, you wouldn't have any idea about how to do something like that. 
Yeah, I, I, I think he was onto something. I, I, don't, I don't, you know, mastering your woman. I don't know what that means. I, I, for me, it's this. I mean, that term is kind of yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm not saying that. I don't, I don't think it's like I need to anticipate. I don't, I don't think, I don't think it comes down to that. I, I think it comes down to raising your children, regardless of gender, that they should be independent individuals who are able to take care of themselves, but then mm-hmm. also be compassionate beings who want to help their families. Right. And right. that's it. So, you know, I didn't, and also a lot, of, it, it's also, actually, I'm at a disadvantage because I didn't grow up with brothers. And my mom, who had her brothers, she felt that my grandmother favored them and, you know, was majority girls, but the girls had to do all the work and the boys didn't do anything. And she hated that. And she always said she didn't want any sons. And she said she would make them do exactly everything the girls had to do because she hated that so much. And uh, my dad also, uh, also wanted us to not grow up being like housewives or anything like that. He always wanted to be businesswoman. Science, STEM was really important. He took me to architecture classes, all this stuff when I was young. It was super important. So they really instilled in us like the importance of being independent and, and being able to take care of yourself, but not because you're a woman, just as a human being. And, you know, I can say I have a couple of male cousins who their moms did that as well. And it's, it, it just makes you a thoughtful person. You're not looking to the person to now substitute your mom, you know, because your mom washed your clothes to, to, through the time you were in college. Like, no, your mom made you responsible as an individual. By the time you're 10, 11, 13, you should be washing your own clothes and learning how to cook and do everything else for yourself. And so then you're part of Maybe you're not going to be good at everything, but you're going to know how to do the things to be able to function as an individual yourself so you're not looking for someone to fill those roles. Because that's not what you should be looking for. Bitch, you can buy a maid. You don't need to be looking for that. You should be looking for other attributes in a human being to have a long-lasting relationship. Because it doesn't apply now because you're not going to have a housewife who's staying at home. You're not. It's not possible. Not financially for most people. <laughs> so, if you know, if that's not what it is, you shouldn't be even thinking about those things. You know, yes, it's good that she can cook, but you guys can learn to cook together if you can't, like... All of those things, but those are not even attributes that you should be looking, thinking about. So when I'm dating, and the first, the first question is, can you cook? I already don't like you. Somebody asked you that on a date before. Yeah, how many times has this happened? Are you kidding me? Oh wow, that's crazy. It's 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 very common. <laughs> it's very common. First question, first date, all the time, all the time. First date, can you cook? All the time. And I'm like, I see. You gotta remember too. I haven't been on a date in over 10 years with somebody else besides my wife so i'm kind of oblivious to some of this stuff these stories be kind of bug me out that i hear that y'all be going through it's it's normal and i just think that where people are looking for the wrong things and people have this they've been ingrained and a lot of the indoctrination is coming from their moms you know and Mm. a lot of moms even if they're even if they're married want their sons to be like little mini husbands or something it's really weird they um yeah. they have this weird little relationship of like you are a man no he's not he's a little child's okay keep him in a child's place he's not your boyfriend he's not your man he's never the man of the house never yeah. all right and I just think that a lot of the things are because a lot of times it's the mom and then the father's on top of it pile on top of it but a lot of times it's the, the moms are really doing a disservice to their sons. Mm. Y'all think I'm critical of men only. I know, no, no, I'm not. I told y'all, everybody gets it. Um, the the women are often doing a disservice to their sons and not really teaching them to be independent men, individuals, right? It shouldn't be that your son, he goes to college, he has to come home and wash his clothes every weekend 
for you to for you to wash. He should have been washing his clothes through high school. And I've had this conversation <laughs> with moms like at at work. Uh, people right. I know. One of my favorite Trump supporters. She has uh, twin sons. They're probably sixteen now. And maybe like a couple years ago, we talked about. She's like, I have to wash their clothes. I was like, Why? Why are you washing their clothes? <laughs> well, because I said they needed it. Yeah. And then another another person I know had a 17, 18 year old son. He was also washing the son's clothes. I said, y'all are wild. I said, I don't even know what you're talking about. By the time I was 10 years old, I was washing my own clothes. Own clothes, right. Yeah. you're. I was like, it's not like you're going out to a river with a washboard. It's just putting it into a damn machine. How, like, why are they incapable of doing that? Uh, I said they raised the daughters and loved the sons. Yeah. That's the old saying, yeah. It, it's it's what I, I keep seeing over and over. People who are saying, oh, I'm cleaning my son's room. I'm cleaning his bathroom. What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? You have teenagers and these boys. That's the stupidest shit I ever heard. I You know? And then why do you think men are the way they are now when they're in their 20s and their 30s and their 40s? They were not required to do things to be independent on their own right. and just be functional adults. They weren't. Uh, that's tough out here for you in these streets. It's, you know, it's, it, it's not. And so when you, when a man is a functional adult, it's important, you know, it is, it, is fascinating. People don't really realize the disservice. I, I think a weird thing has happened. You know, women still need issues to, you know, need to be built up and self-esteem and nothing's equal. Right. But there right. has been attention to women to do this and boys still need attention. You know, don't take for granted that your male child is just going to not have self-esteem issues, things like that. They, they still do. They still need nurturing. They still need nurturing. And your children honestly need nurturing in this very similar ways. But right. people don't do that. And I think it's done a disservice to boys who are taught to figure it out. Or they're very coddled for a long time. And then they're looking for another mom. You know, they're looking mm-hmm. for a mom. And, like, I don't have any children. I don't want to be a mom. I don't want to be somebody's mom. So, you know, unless you come out of my womb. That's right. <laughs> you know, like, I, I don't want to be, I don't want to be a mom. And so a lot of people are looking for a mom. My father, I find, is a very independent person. Um, his mother did teach them, she had mostly sons, uh, teach them to take care of themselves, do things, blah, blah, blah. Now, my parents' marriage, did it work out that way? No, because my mom did everything for him. But she tell, she'll be the first one to tell you it was her fault. She shouldn't have done that. She's like, mm. she made him lazy, and now she has to do everything. And I'm like, <laughs> well, okay, you're right. And she's like, don't do that. And I, and I get it. And it's true. And, you know, they're fine, but she's like, I shouldn't have done that. And it's true. So a lot of times, women don't recognize their power and their influence in certain ways, where in your son, you need to build him up to be a strong, independent man who is going to get with women for the right reasons and not be an asshole to women, but also get with for a woman who's going to be good for him. Right. You know, because I'm sure you may have friends. I don't know. They're with a girl uh, because it's like it was just looks. And then now it all kind of falls apart. There really isn't anything real behind it. Mm hmm. Yeah, a lot of my close friends, they're all still single. They're also trying to figure it out. I hit some of the issues I can hear from what you were saying. I see that in some of them. Um, 
Yeah, I'm kind of the one. I don't want to say I'm the one responsible one. Because <laughs> I had an interesting upbringing, too. I know I told you before, I grew up in the polygamous um, Islamic household. So that was I very remember. interesting, you know, having two mothers and um, that whole dynamic of how a relationship can work just not with one woman, but two women. And the issues that can come with that. And then how that impacts you when you get on the dating scene. Um, I will say one negative from that. I do think I was a little entitled, so to speak, just from that. Because I had that kind of awareness that, oh, well, you know, I can't just focus on this one. I can have more than one if I want to, as long as I'm quote unquote honest about it. Um, so I had that issue for only a few years, though, because it's a whole nother can of worms when you're trying to manage multiple relationships most people can't do that because it's just overwhelming it's one thing to even just be committed and on point with one person let alone two or three so i got off of that really quickly but um yeah i understand exactly what you're saying as far as being well-rounded and being fully functional because all that stuff that you were talking about i learned that very early same age as you 11 12 washing my own clothes getting my stuff ready you know just basic stuff you have to learn just as an adult you know, because I'm like, even if your wife is doing that, let's say she is cooking and all that. What happens if she gets sick? Right. You don't know how to take care of her? You don't know how to wash the clothes? Or even if it's uh, she handles all the bills, you don't know how to do the bills now? That's that's, you know, that's you, what I'm saying. That you happens be all able the time. To step up. Yeah. A lot of people don't. The moms, you could have a mom who's, you know, oh, she's managing his stuff, you know, his paycheck. Uh, she takes it every time and she's doing stuff. There are a lot of boys are caught. I, oh, I could go down the, the, the lines. I was in grad school dating a guy, um, Haitian to, I think I've talked about him before. And he, we were in, we're in our twenties and he had like a condo, uh, that he had bought. His mom was a nurse. His dad was a doctor and his mom came over to his apartment to clean it every week. And he was like 25, I 26. That. Yeah. And I was like, wait, what? Wait, what's what what was going on here? Um, and those <laughs> things, you know, and if, and if, again, if you don't, teach your son about finances that he should manage his finances to take care of himself these are all things that are going to carry over into adulthood so in your 20s 30s 40s 50s you're still dealing with these things and it puts a strain on the relationship absolutely so i'm not listen listen if you got single male friends who want to come on and they want to talk about how i'm wrong and this woman's (laughs) listen i'm happy to talk about it Okay, I'm going to reach out to some of them because some of them sure do complain about women. The women are the problem. They're so entitled, blah, blah, blah. No, I hear that. I feel I feel for them because like, it seems like it's really rough out here trying to date because I'm like, if you date somebody our age, you know, they're kind of set in their ways. Any faults that they have is really difficult to change. But if you're trying somebody younger, whole nother can of worms and immaturity that you have to worry about. And if you try and go older, you know, they're a little too subtle and they don't want to kind of be out and about like we still like to do. So it's tough with <laughs> the dating scene. It, it is tough. Yeah. So listen, I'm open to the conversation. Um, I, I just think a lot of it comes down to how people were raised and it's not consistent And people. A lot of people were coddled. A lot of people were coddled. And if you're not a person who was, then it's hard. Right. That And I right. think that's what it comes down to. Like for me, it, it's, it's hard. If you, were not taught to be independent and to be able to be a fully functioning adult, it is going to be really hard for me to engage with you. It's going to be really hard. We're going to have a lot of conflict there. 
because to me, then there are other things outside of that that need to be dealt with that you can't even get to properly deal with because you're, you're dealing with like, okay, can you know how to, you know, pay your rent? Oh, do you know how to, you know, not sleep with prostitutes, all that kind of stuff. So <laughs> that should be simple enough. Well, random question, since you brought that up, would you date somebody in an open relationship at this point in your life? So are we talking about seriously date or what? <laughs> like, let's say seriously. Date. Like I mentioned, I was in, I grew up in the polygamous relationship. So would you do something like that with somebody? Let's say they were on point. Everything was up to par. But of course, they had another girlfriend. Or another I wouldn't wife. take it seriously at all. That. I, would, I would never take it seriously. <laughs> it's not serious to me. I'm sorry. I would think I was like, oh, this is so funny. I'm like, you think I'm serious? I'm really not sure. I, I wouldn't be serious at all. I brought uh, maybe what made me think of that is when I was dating. Um, anytime it got to a point where they might have met my family, that would always come up. So they'd be like, Are you gonna bring another wife home or another girlfriend? Because you know, I mean, it's the obvious question you should ask, but I always thought that was funny because I at a certain point I wasn't interested in doing that anymore. Yeah, no, 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 I it would be, I would never be, take it seriously. <laughs> So I would never take it seriously. I'm like, listen, if, if I am entertaining it for shits and giggles, I'm known to do that. I'm awful like that. Listen, I like to sometimes, you know, see the drama. So I might just right. be like, okay, hey, this is fun. Kick it. But I would never take it seriously. Seriously. Um, no, not at all. If he wanted something serious for me, I he'd be getting his heart. He, I'd be playing him because it's not true. I couldn't be serious about it. Because I now have to deal with this third person. Yeah, and that's basically that's like a whole other relationship that you got to be close to them as you are to the um, to your man, really, yeah. for it to work. And he's and he is enough dealing with the man, so I don't really want to deal with um, another woman or another man either. So I think it's <laughs> right. It's yeah, I I think that can work for some people. I know a lot of people do it, and I'm sure you can fall in love with more than one person. But um, I and monogamy is not easy, but I'll take my chances with it. I just mm-hmm. I wouldn't take it seriously. Oh, that reminds me. So you know the person I was I was in the open relationship with. I want to say her name on the podcast. You know what I'm talking about. You oh, I that? know who that is. I didn't know it was an open relationship. It was because she was up in Jersey and I'm down here in um, Atlanta. So I had someone down here. She had someone up there. Interesting. So <laughs> small world. We can talk right. about this. Small world. She was good friends with Tyrone. This is an ex-boyfriend I know from college okay. who um, who knows her and who was very close with her. Like, she would go, like, visit his mom and stuff like that. They were actually very close friends. Mm. So it's a small world. Um, very. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. So, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, small world. Well, interesting. Well, I mean, that works. It was long distance. You knew what it was. And if, if people yeah, this are... this was senior year in college? So yeah, we're talking a long time ago. So for that time, it, it worked. But yeah, like long term... <laughs> I think if people are honest, then it's cool. Like, as long as people are on the same page and know, then it's a non-issue. Um, the issue is when you're doing something, you know, and betraying other people. But as long as you're both willing to do it, it's fine. It's not my thing. But, uh, you know, to each his own. Cool. But, yeah, but definitely if you have friends who, single men who want to talk about how women are, the problems in this women, I love (laughs) to talk about it. I have no issue talking about it. I'm I'm curious 
to hear the perspective. Yes, that'd be a good idea too, just to see exactly where they're coming from. You know, what they see on the dating scene too. There's always two sides to a story. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Look, and listen, relationships aren't easy in general. Even when you find someone, it's challenging, you know, it's just challenging in general. It's just a different person and you have to work through it. You just have to decide how much you're willing to compromise. You can't lose yourself and somebody else. Yeah, I mean, that's true. I mean, I, I, when I look at relationships, like our stuff is fine, but I look at people my parents' age and their friends who've been married for like, 50 years I was like you know it's a whole other ball game at that point Mm -hmm. and I think you know I like to look at their relationships and look they're not I'm not saying these people have great relationships I'm like god damn y'all really were in it because I couldn't have done it but (laughs) I think there's some lessons there in terms of understanding a certain level of sacrifice and I think that's what our generation probably is not good at is like you need to realize that the person is flawed and they probably will hurt you but at the end of the day you're committed to the marriage and so you'll work through it right that person they're going to hurt you more than anyone else because they know you better than anyone else you just have to decide if you're willing what you're getting does that outweigh that hurt that's going to happen over the course of how many years you're together yeah yeah people people go through it you know some of these people i'm like oof. I ain't built and like you that. were talking about with the with the ancestry thing, because I have a, a membership with that, and I was using that for the um, organized crime stuff I was working on. But I started doing my own family tree, mm-hmm. and I was able to get back to the the late 1700s, which is pretty. Ooh, good. that's really good. But like you were talking about, as far as like other relationships, people not even getting divorced and going marrying somebody else, and babies in another county, you know, or in another state. There's a lot of that in the timeline too. Just like you said, it's. Oof. Some stories. Yeah, well, people try to act like, oh, it's just this generation that's not decent and blah, blah, blah. Y'all do the ancestry in 23andMe and you start doing your research. You're like, y'all been hoeing for a long time. And right. <laughs> Listen, y'all been hoeing for a time. long time. Don't try to put it on this generation. That was going on back in the day. Yes. So it's 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 definitely fascinating but anyway it's been good chopping it up with you as usual thank you for joining it's been great to catch up uh this has been episode 44 of gab with gwen you're welcome to come back anytime i'm hoping next time we'll be over this the curve will be flattened so (laughs) it won't be so ominous with this whole corona thing and it might be a little wild, but, you know, look, it still makes for good conversation. Yes. So, you know, we're all politicking, chopping it up and, you know, forging our bonds, human connection in this in this rough time. Mm-hmm. Very important. So we got to try to look for the silver lining. Absolutely. So, well, stay safe in ATL. Definitely and, will. you know, congrats on you know, the new things you have going on in your life. And Gwen, will you will you be checking out OnlyFans? You know, maybe you can do that for some extra money. No, <laughs> no, absolutely not. A couple of feet <laughs> pictures, a little extra money, you know. Um, I t- <laughs> listen. It would have to be something very ambiguous, like they're like, "Oh, I'll I'll send you money if you give like shots of your nails, your hands." I would do that. <laughs> if they're like, "Oh, like pose with your hands and hold like a Coke bottle," cool. I'll do that. Anything beyond that, I wouldn't do. Can't do, do it. it. <laughs> no, I understand. Yeah. 
Oh my God. All right, but shout out to all the entrepreneurs out there getting money however you can in these hard times. I'm not judging. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. All right. So it's been episode 44. Thank you again to our guest, Ismael. Follow him and go to his website, Beats Boxing Mayhem. That's your handle on all of your social media? Uh, no. So if you look on Twitter, it's my first name, Ismael, I-S-M-A-E-L underscore B-B-M underscore N-Y-K. But all that's on the website. So if you go to beatsboxingmayhem.com, it has my Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all that on there, right at the top of the page. Cool, 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 cool. So follow him. Good content, good people. Uh, it's been real. Peace.